All right. Well, uh, it's good to be with you this morning uh, or this uh, uh, today. And uh, yeah, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had just gotten back from a trip to the East Coast and Midwest um, on Monday. Uh, so we've been traveling uh, for about, for two months, uh, not just about two months. We have been traveling for two months, and it feels like it. Uh, but it's our privilege to be here with you. And so, what we thought we'd uh, how we'd start is uh, I just have my wife Sandy share a little bit about her testimony and about how we met, and then I'll uh, continue from there. So, hello, good afternoon. My name is Sandy Luciano. I was born and raised here in Southern California. I was born in Torrance. My family moved up to Agua Dulce um, when I was in second grade. Um, so I stayed in Agua Dulce until I got married, uh, which is north of Santa Clarita. Most people know where it's at now. <laughs> I always had to qualify growing up. No one knew where it was. But... Um, I went to high school at Bishop Alamany, which is in Mission Hills, not too far from here, graduated. Um, went to school at COC and then transferred to CSUN, where I graduated with my, M- with my BA. Um, it was when I was at COC when I got saved. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, I grew up going to church on Sunday. Um, we were just like a Sunday church family. We weren't really involved at church. Um, We didn't do much outside of church, um, but we faithfully went to church. So when I was in um, COC, um, a friend invited me to the Bible study they had on campus through Crossroads Ministry. Um, I always had the desire to be involved in church, so I was eager to go. So it was mostly for social reasons that I went to the COC Bible study. at the time, they were going through the doctrine of election, and uh, my personal belief was that deep down, everybody is ultimately a good person, uh, or this was before I was saved, um, so that even the, the people in jail, you know, ultimately, if they were given the right circumstances, deep down, they're a good person. So when I started hearing about the doctrine of election, it really questioned what I believed, because um, the doctrine of election says that man is depraved. Um, and I thought very highly of myself. I remember reading the verse um, from 1 John chapter 1, um, he who thinks he's without sin is a liar. So I remember reading that and I'm going, oh, there's my sin. I must be a liar. Because <laughs> I couldn't name what my sin was. I was so blind. Um, so it was through the, it was like a series of like on the doctrine of election that I realized um, I was in need of a savior. So God saved me at that point. Um, I started growing um, and got more involved in Crossroads Ministry. I started attending a few Logos classes, which is when I first initially met Alan. He was also in a Logos class. Um, from there, then I had a desire to be, I liked the idea of full-time ministry. It was at that point I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. I didn't want a career. I wanted to be a wife and a mother. And uh, But I knew because I was a, a woman, obviously God's role for me is very different. Um, so I remember me and my best friend, uh, we both thought that we would be a good helpmate to somebody else in full-time ministry. Um, 
So it's interesting. She's now married to a pastor. Um, and then I'm married to a missionary. But uh, so then I started, I pursued my MABC at the master's college, university. Um, and I, and when I started my MABC is when me and Alan started dating. Um, so that was in 2004. So he was just starting the master's seminary and I was just starting, um, my MABC. Um, so we had lots of coffee dates and library dates, uh, as we dated. Um, and so we met it through Lagos and we got to know each other more through a mutual friend, um, and then Alan will tell you about his testimony. <laughs> All right. Um, well, as uh, Lauren mentioned earlier, I was actually born in the Philippines, um, born to a Catholic family, as most uh, people in the Philippines are. Uh, and when I was 15 in 1992, uh, my family migrated here to the United States, uh, settling in California, Southern California. Um, <clears throat> went through Catholic school from preschool all the way through uh, high school here, uh, and it wasn't until my last, very last quarter at UCLA that I got saved. Um, at that time, I was working as, this, so this was late 90s, at that time I was working as a uh, web developer, uh, and back then that was the height of the dot-com boom, if you would remember, uh, and so if you knew how to make a website, com- companies would just throw money at you. And it was it was crazy. Uh, uh, I mean, people would pay me just to attend a meeting. Uh, and uh, and so I thought, hey, this this is why my family moved from the Philippines to here. To, 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 it's an American dream. Uh, and and I was I, I still had a couple of units left uh, in college, so I was working part time, but I was being compensated like as if I was a full time employee. Uh, in fact, I knew at that point that I was making more money than some of my friends who had already graduated uh, a couple years before me from college. Uh, and so I thought, you know, this is, this is exactly what I want to do. This is exactly where I want to be. Uh, but after a few months of that, uh, it dawned on me, man, if this is all I have to look forward to after graduating college and this is the rest of my life, it's pretty sad. <laughs> Just uh, sitting in front of a computer, you know, eight to ten hours a day, uh, writing code. Um, and, uh, and it dawned on me when I was in college, uh, I had some friends who were believers, who were Christians and something stood out to me. Um, and out of all the friends that I had, the ones that were Christians, um, seemed to be the only ones who were genuinely happy, uh, seemed to, uh, be genuinely content with life, um, and so that prompted me to kind of investigate. Uh, they seemed to know something that I didn't know. They definitely had something that I didn't have. So uh, I started attending uh, the Navigator's Bible Study at, at uh, UCLA. And it was through that ministry that eventually <clears throat> I got to understand what the gospel was. See, keeping with a kind of Catholic mindset, I had always, even as I started going to the Bible study, uh, I was still trying to earn my salvation. I was still trying to uh, be right with God on my own. And I kept failing. And, um, you know, as I was going to Bible study, I, I realized that I was learning more and more about God, but I was also seeing more and more of my sin. 
and that whatever I tried, I kept falling and failing. And it got to the point where I was really convicted and I felt the need to, hey, either I'm going to be with this or I'm not because I'm just pretending to be a Christian at this point. But I didn't know how to, how to continue. Well, the, the, the first Bible study uh, of my last quarter at UCLA, uh, the Bible study leader, uh, he preached from uh, Luke chapter 7, 47. Easy verse to remember. It's the one where <clears throat> Jesus enters into the Pharisee's house and invites him over for dinner. And this sinful woman comes and, and cries at his feet, wipes his feet with her hair, uh, and, you know, showers it with perfume and everything. Um, and the as the Bible study leader was explaining it, that it dawned on me. It, it, it finally clicked. The gospel finally made sense to me. God sent Jesus to do exactly what I could not do. Uh, and I cannot attain God's righteousness. I cannot do enough good. I cannot save myself. I cannot clean up my life so that I can be presentable to God. Uh, God sent Jesus to do exactly what I could not do. Uh, and and, and uh, it is only through his grace and what he accomplished on the cross that anybody can get saved. And so that was the night that the gospel became clear to me. Um, this was uh, April 2000 of 2000. I graduated that uh, that spring, um, and not really knowing anything as a new believer, I didn't really know how to break the news to my parents. Like, hey, guess what? Uh, aside from my college degree, I also have a new religion now. Uh, but uh, the plan was, well, maybe I can just kind of blend in. You know, I'll just sit through the mass. Uh, so I did. I tried that one Sunday, the first Sunday I, after I moved back in from college, and at this point, I was a few months old in the faith. I could not articulate anything, but sitting through the Mass, I knew that something was wrong. I mean, something my heart was stirring inside me. I could not stand, I could not sit inside the, inside the church. I had to leave. Um, and so, so that was the first Sunday. Well, the second Sunday came, and all right, let's, let's try this again. <laughs> And the same thing happened, and I just, I just could not sit there. I just could not uh, uh, bear you know, being inside the the, the the mass, and 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 I couldn't tell you what was wrong because I, at this point, I had I knew nothing, <laughs> I knew very little, uh, but uh, I, but I felt that something was very wrong, uh, and so I had to step outside again. And that's when, you know, two Sundays in a row, my parents noticed. Well, what's going on? And that's when I I. I Broke the news to them, uh, but since then, uh, so that was uh, spring of spring summer of 2000. Uh, it was around 2001 that I finally settled to coming to Grace Community Church. Uh, when I was at UCLA, uh, a few of my friends uh, attended here. They were part of Grace on Campus, um, and my first year here at Grace Community Church, I had two friends from college that I knew. So two people that I knew at Grace Church. And in that first year, one of them got married, and so she moved away to uh, go to her husband's church. And the other one moved away to be closer to work, so she moved to a different part of Southern California to be closer to work. So for the rest of that year, I was just kind of attending by myself. Uh, and then 
the Filipino outreach at Grace Community Church was really instrumental in making this big church uh, home for me. Um, they really um, were and are like family to me uh, because at the time when, because of my faith, I, that put some distance between me and my family. Uh, they really uh, have become kind of like my second family um, and were very instrumental in getting me really plugged into the church. So fast forward. So that was around 2000, 2001. Um, 2004 was when I started seminary, and shortly before that was when I uh, met Sandy. Um, and uh, we got engaged six months before we got married. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it's easy to remember because I... Unlike a lot of other seminary guys, I just knew I couldn't get married in the middle of a semester. So it was either summer or, 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 or Christmas break that we would get married. So uh, we got married summer 2006. That means we got engaged December 2015. Uh, so, um, and, um, so I was working at Grace Community School for, for most of that time. And... Uh, so going part-time through seminary, finally graduate in 2009. Uh, and at this point, we had already uh, thought about, prayed about, and pretty much decided to go to the Philippines. Uh, in 2009, Sandy and I took a trip to the Philippines to visit, to explore. Uh, in 2011, I went on my own uh, on a short-term trip uh, to help teach there. And uh, took us... A few years to raise the necessary support to get to the field, but by God's grace, in 2014, uh, we got up to uh, 100% of, of what we needed and were sent out uh, in uh, April of uh, 2014. And so, um, that's kind of the background, and so uh, now we can proceed with the... With, uh, so, what's been happening since 2014? Well, uh, this picture is, uh, was taken right outside of our house. So, let's see. All right. So, um, right around here would be where our house would be. Um, this is uh, just outside of our house, uh, the house that we rent in, uh, in a place called Taitai, which is uh, a suburb of Manila. Most of the people who live in our area still work in the city. Um, one of the things that the Philippines is known for is its horrible, horrible traffic. Um, Manila, the, the, the capital of the Philippines, would fit, is actually smaller than San Fernando Valley. Um, but, uh, what was it? It's about six times as, as, as populated than San Fernando Valley. Um, San Fernando Valley is what, two million? And, uh, Okay, so 2 million is San Fernando Valley. Uh, Manila is about 12 million, closer to 13 million. So it's very, very dense. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know how here we have the 20-minute rule? You can pretty much go get anywhere in about 20 minutes, give or take, depending on traffic. Well, in Manila, we have the three-hour rule. You can get anywhere within three hours if you want to be there on time. Um, so, uh, here's our family. Uh, Noah is downstairs at nursery, and there's Sandy. 
Uh, Trevor, uh, our middle child, is six, and Jacob, our oldest, is seven. Um, and if you'll notice, this is me before the mustache. This is a uh, picture is about a year old, so not long after this picture was taken, I started working on growing my mustache. Uh, it's taken that long. But where is the Philippines? So the Philippines is that uh, kind of orange country right there. We are south of China, there's China, and east of Vietnam. So we're kind of our own little set of islands. Uh, right on top of the Philippines, that is uh, Taiwan. And I have a friend who is a, a pastor in Taiwan, and he said that on the on a clear day on the southern tip of Taiwan, you can actually see the northern islands of the Philippines. Um, and there it is. So in 2014, uh, we were sent off to serve at the Expositors Academy, uh, which is the uh, uh, the local Master's Academy International Training Center. If you're not familiar with TMAI, TMAI is a network of uh, Bible training centers all around the world. I think there's about 17 uh, staffed by graduates of the Master's Seminary. And we all pretty much do the same thing. We train local pastors to preach expositionally. We, we train pastors in expository preaching. Um, and we have a video that we'd like to show you uh, that has just a few testimonials of uh, for, from some of our students um, who are in the program. So uh, you can watch that shortly. Living out the words of 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, the Expositors Academy was founded by graduates of the Master's Seminary in Los Angeles, California, and is a member of the Master's Academy International, or TMAI. The Expositors Academy is committed to serving churches in the Philippines by providing pastors and church leaders theological training that is focused on developing biblical knowledge, Christ-like character, and biblical ministry, with the goal of seeing churches and ministries built on the faithful exposition of the Word of God. It greatly affected my ministry because, you know, we're, we're, we, we all wanted to serve the Lord. We all wanted to be faithful to Him. And sometimes it's really a struggle on how to do that. The Expositors Academy has been very helpful to guide us, you know, in uh, basically the how, how to be faithful in that, how to be obedient on that uh, mandate to us in our, in the, in our ministries. The Expositors Academy teaches in four locations all over the Philippines. In Manila, which is the capital. In Davao, which is in the southern part of the country. Cebu, which is in the middle of the country. And Baguio, which is a few hours north of Manila. And we offer two certificate programs. A certificate in biblical studies and a certificate in expository preaching and pastoral ministry. The expository preaching and pastoral ministry program focuses on biblical exegesis and expository preaching by having students regularly work at interpreting and preaching the various genres of scripture. Uh, the thing that has been very valuable to me is as we go through all of those uh, exercises, um, which is hard, um, but it does make us understand the depth of um, the scripture that we're studying. Um, and uh, uh, it's something that I would uh, uh, recommend for everyone that, that they take something like this or take this course because it's one to do uh, self-study, it's another to be guided. So it's, it's really a good experience. One of the most helpful things was diagramming. 
really being able to break down a, a, a verse or even a paragraph and to express it in such a way that you immediately see what the main idea is and how the other parts of the, the sentence and the paragraph connect to the main idea. Um, it has given me a lot of tools. I expanded um, my knowledge on how to study the Bible and how to communicate it more uh, effectively to my listeners. It has made me uh, more sensitive uh, and very much uh, careful when interpreting the Bible. So it has been a great help, a big help for me, as, especially as someone who's uh, starting in the pastoral ministry. The Biblical Studies program emphasizes biblical exposition and is geared towards church workers, lay leaders, and busy pastors who want to continue to grow in ministry effectiveness. The biggest thing that I've learned is to be able to approach different genre of a text, episodes, uh, narrative, uh, poetry, to be able to interpret it clearly and not only to interpret it, but also to communicate it as well so that the uh, people nowadays could understand it and also to help them apply the text uh, on their day-to-day living. Both programs feature curricula that are based on the faithful exposition of the Word of God aimed at instilling strong convictions for expository preaching and a biblical philosophy of ministry. Yeah, although I've been a preacher for about 30 years, more or less, but I thank God for Teya because uh, there were so many things that I have learned. I, I see that it is not enough just to read books, but all of these, particularly this preaching lab has helped me. And I think this has helped me to present God's Word more effectively to the people. And I... I I do expect that as I keep on growing and understanding this approach, this will also bring great benefit to to the people of God. All right, so that's a short summary of uh, the ministry that we are involved with in the Philippines. And I do minister as part of a team. Uh, So just uh, going from left to right, at uh, the very left there is Tim Carnes. He's actually from uh, Calvary in Burbank, and he's still based in Burbank. He flies out to the Philippines maybe four times a year and helps us with our uh, modular preaching program. He was very instrumental in getting that program launched for us. Uh, he serves us along with uh, another TMA, TMAI training center in uh, Malawi. Uh, next to him is Vincent Green. Uh, he was actually one of my preaching professors when, uh, preaching lab professors when I was a student here at the Master Seminary. So it's very neat to kind of be able to minister with him. Next to Vincent is Sean Ransom, who is our team leader. He's been there for about, uh, about 10 years now on the field. And next to him is Pastor Erwin Kimboy. Uh, he's actually a graduate of our program and, uh, is part of our staff. He teaches alongside us. Um, and he kind of is, in a sense, uh, the poster child of, of what our ministry is trying to do, uh, uh, where we invest in, in faithful men that we hope will 
God will raise up to be able to teach others as well. Just living out Second Timothy two two, uh, and just a, a brief update. Uh, about a month ago, as we were on the road, uh, we got news that Erwin uh, Kimboy has recently become the been uh, called to be the senior pastor of the church that we attend in 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 the Philippines. So. Uh, yeah, so uh, when we get back to the Philippines, you know, he's my pastor. Uh, and again, that's me before the mustache. Uh, and as we mentioned in the video, uh, we have two programs, uh, Biblical Studies and Expository Preaching. Biblical Studies is kind of like uh, the Lagos uh, Equipping Ministries here at Grace Community Church. It's our, it's our uh, uh, Bible Institute that's open to any Christian, uh, male or female. It's a two-year program. And we focus on classes that we believe would be beneficial to any believer. So how to study the Bible, um, survey of the Old Testament and New Testament, uh, doctrine survey, and how to teach the Bible. We cap this program with uh, a class on how to teach the Bible because we want to encourage uh, believers in the Philippines that if they only have the Word of God, it, that, that's all the resource they have, they, are, they have sufficient resources to disciple someone, to mentor someone, to lead a class, to teach a congregation. Um, one of the things that we notice in the Philippines is that people tend to be very uh, dependent on curricula. And, and curriculums have their place, but over there they are almost too dependent on it that they just go through it and read it verbatim and don't go really beyond what is uh, provided in the whatever curricula that they're using. And so... One of the distinctive, distinctives that we offer is that, hey, we're, we're not passing on any, uh, any sermons to you, any lessons to you. We want you to formulate your own lessons, Bible lessons, uh, that you can teach in a one-on-one setting, small group setting, or in a uh, class-wide setting. And from our, one of our uh, partner pastors, um, we have learned that really this biblical studies program has become an opportunity for us to influence congregations. Um, initially, we were that the idea, and this is a part of the roadmap that we got from uh, Masters Academy International, was okay. You start with a Bible Institute, and the faithful men here is where you draw your students from your preach for your preaching program, and it certainly has done that. But over and above that, as one of our uh, partner pastor, local pastor, uh, who is our, one of our ministry partners, have, have, have told us he appreciates the biblical studies program because it's an opportunity for his congregation to hear the same truths from someone else. I don't know if you have this experience from parenting, but you know you try to tell your children consistently the same truths, and then one day your kid hears the exact same truth from someone else, and they're all excited, and they tell you, hey, mom, guess what I heard today? Guess what I learned today? Uh, so it's kind of a, uh, we kind of provide that opportunity for, for, for other churches. Um, our second program is our expository preaching program, which is limited to men in ministry or men who are seriously considering a call to ministry. It also is a two-year program. Um, and classes are focused on preaching the various genres of scripture. So how to preach uh, epistles, narratives, poetry, and prophecy. And if biblical studies is our opportunity to influence congregations, the preaching program is our opportunity to influence pastors. Um, and this is just a little more detailed 
map of where we teach, but we don't have our own facility. Uh, we partner with local churches and we conduct our ministry, our, our, our training ministry out of these churches. So it's, it has been a good setup for us, uh, because, um, not only does it lessen our overhead expenses, but it does, uh, it gives us an opportunity to, um, uh, to influence churches at a time. Uh, so in Baguio, which is to the north, we do our preaching program. Uh, there's three churches in Manila, uh, that we, uh, teach out of. In Cebu, which is in the middle of the country, um, we do our preaching modules there. And in Davao, we do, uh, our biblical studies and preaching program. So in Manila, most of our classes are weekly. Uh, we meet once a week. Uh, outside in the provinces, we do modules. So what would be, uh, one class, one subject would be, would take normally, um, seven weeks, seven sessions. Uh, we would condense that seven week session into a, uh, anywhere from a three to five day, uh, intensive week, uh, where we can, uh, uh, finish that up in, 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 in the provinces. And, uh, just some, uh, recent ministry highlights. Um, earlier this year, we had a group of biblical study students uh, graduate from uh, one of the churches we work out of in Manila. Uh, this is actually from the church that we attend in Manila. Uh, and there's about a little over 20 um, people here and representing um, a handful of churches, most from our own congregation uh, that, that, that we're part of. Uh, but there's also a handful of churches represented who are kind of in our area. Uh, and uh, there are elders, church administrators, uh, Sunday school teachers uh, represented in this group. So uh, we've been very blessed uh, to be able to partner with uh, uh, these churches. And right after the week after this graduation, we started the second batch, the second group, um, uh, in, in the same location, and we were very encouraged to know that uh, um, some of the um, people that you know the elders from this group were were, were discipling, um, the people that they were kind of mentoring, uh, those have joined us for our the second batch of biblical studies. So we're very encouraged about that. And also, since uh, just before we came here in June, we've been here in the United States uh, since June, um, the week that we came here uh, was actually uh, Steve Lawson had a conference in the Philippines, and it was very, very well attended. Uh, his pastor's seminar, his pastor's conference, had over 800 attendees. Um, and the next day, he did a sufficiency of scripture seminar open to anybody, not just pastors, and close to a thousand attendees came. And these are very great numbers for us, and it indicates for us that there's not just a need for training and expository preaching in the Philippines, but there's a demand for it. Uh, people are, are hungering for it, and, and that's very encouraging for us. And this conference was hosted by one of our partner churches, Higher Rock Christian Ministry, Iraq Christian Church, uh, and they gave us a very prominent uh, 
spot during the conference, uh, time on the stage. Actually, the video that, that we showed you was uh, prepared for that. And uh, we've been following up, our team in the Philippines has been following up on leads uh, to conduct more ministry, more training uh, from, from, from this conference. And so, um, in terms of what's next for the ministry, um, well, uh, so in the last three years, we were able to revamp our biblical studies program. We were able to um, uh, launch our preaching program. The next thing for us would be to launch a Master of Divinity. Uh, that's something that's a few years uh, down the road. Um, in fact, this December, I'll be starting the uh, modular THM program here at Master Seminary uh, to kind of have the necessary credentials to teach at the MDiv level. Um so the Master of Divinity, that's something we're hoping to offer in a few years. The more pressing need for us right now would be to train some of our local, to train some, uh, some of our local graduates to, to have them join us in teaching. Uh, and we've already identified a handful of, of faithful men from our current class, current classes that we would like to, uh, have join with us in various capacities, whether full-time staff, part-time staff, or just as guest lecturers, as many of our students are currently uh, pastoring. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a bird's eye view of what the Lord has been doing in and through our ministry for the last three years. And to kind of give you, for me, going back to the Philippines has been kind of like going home. Um, one of our partner churches is actually not far from where I went to school uh, when I went to the Philippines. Uh, and uh, But for Sandy, that was a more kind of a new experience. So uh, she'll share real quick about just kind of how it's been like living in the Philippines. So um, the quick answer is, what is it like in the Philippines? It's hot. Uh, very hot. Uh, you don't stop sweating. Uh, you're never cold unless your air conditioning's too high. Uh I, never, I didn't own socks, so when we came on furlough, I had to buy socks for myself and my kids, because we homeschool, so they don't really need shoes. And uh, yeah, so you're always hot. It's very crowded. Um, traffic is awful. Uh, but uh, ironically, if, if you just go slow enough, they kind of part, and you can. And there's no real road rage as they are here, so no one honks at you in anger. So I just kind of drive around, and they kind of part. And, but uh, but let's see. I was trying to think of questions that I get asked a lot. Um, one was, so what's the hardest thing for you? Um, for me, so we've been there three years. I think for me the hardest was figuring out what is my preference and what is my conviction. Um, I thought a lot of things were biblical convictions until I got there and they do do things differently. And uh, I realized a lot of my things that were biblical, that I thought were convictions, were actually preferences. Um, so that was hard for me to to go through every area of my life and figure out, okay, well, what is, what is biblically, what does it say? Um, like, for instance, this is kind of silly, but for me, it was a Christian virtue if a wife could run her home by going to the grocery store as few as possible. If she can, it shows that she's efficient with her time. She's a good planner. Maybe she freezes meals to be prepared. Um, so to me, that was something that was a Christian virtue. Then I went there, and 
to buy things at the store. They're so small, and my cupboard was small, so I couldn't stock up. And uh, I was running out of stuff midweek, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm failing as a wife. You know, why am I running out of things? Um, I wanted – here I would buy Costco size of, like, uh, you know, toilet paper. There, in, like, paper towels, there they sell them one at a time. So I was <laughs> – I was so embarrassed to put like eight in my cart because nobody else has that. And so I just put one in my cart thinking now I'm going to have to buy some later this week, you know? So that was hard until my, until Alan was like, well, why don't you just have two grocery days a week? (laughs) I'm like, oh, Uh, so like silly things like that where I assume, no, this is what the good Christian woman does. Um, so that was hard. Um, as far as people, I love the people, um, which is one of the easiest things for going there. Most of all my in-laws, my mother and father-in-law are now saved, but the rest are mostly not saved. But they're the most loving, gracious family. Um, and I was thinking, if this is what unbelievers are like, sure, let's go to a whole country full of them. <laughs> but uh, So their little tagline or their tourist slogan for the country is it's more fun in the Philippines and uh which is kind of funny but I really think it is uh they love color they love singing they love dancing when I'm grocery shopping the store clerks are often singing out loud to the songs there's this one store near my house and I haven't figured out how often they do it but the we will we will rock you right but they changed the words to their song so it's like we will we will serve you <laughs> and there's like four times as many people so there's like every aisle there's at least two clerks and they just stop and they're all singing and uh, i have my cart and i wasn't sure what to do like are they singing at me do i sing with them <laughs> so it's a little awkward but it's fun um and and the biggest thing that has made it feel like home, because um, someone told me before I went on the field, um, when she lived overseas, it took her three years before it felt like home. So it's been three years for us. Um, and for me, it's the woman's Bible study I've been able to be a part of um, that meet weekly. So now I have a close, they become friends. I have people that live around the corner that I can tell anything to. Um, that I can share my concerns, my prayer request. Um, Because until you have those kind of friendships, you're kind of sending your prayer request overseas. Uh, So having that Bible study, I think, has made it feel most like home. When we go back, we're going to be looking for another house. So you can be praying for that. Um, School-wise, we were trying to decide what to do long-term with our children, and we've decided to continue homeschooling. So we're trying, we're going to stay in the same general area, but move to a new house that's maybe more conducive for homeschooling, um, a little bit more of a yard, someplace that's more safe for our kids to go outside. So um, you can be praying as we make those transitions when we get back. Great. Well, if you have little ones that you need to go pick up, please feel free to do that. And if you have more questions for Alan and Sandy, they are here afterwards. But let's go ahead and close our time in prayer for them. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful as there are so many needs and as we've heard of even just the desire for your word and for teaching and training in the Philippines. We thank you for 
our team um, who is serving there right now, Lord. We thank you so much for each of these families. We thank you for even the long history that some of them have served there. We thank you even for blessing Alan Father with this is his heritage. This is his um, original home, Lord, and you have so uniquely prepared him, Father, to minister there. And we thank you for bringing Sandy to be such a perfect helpmate, Lord, to to love serving the people in the Philippines, Father. We thank you so much for these ministries, for the programs that they have developed. We thank you for the men and even the women in the biblical counseling programs and different programs that they are studying in, Father. We do pray for them as they study that their hearts would be very sensitive to your word, Lord, that your spirit would guide them, would direct them, that would cause them to live lives that are above reproach, and that their studies, Lord, would result in a deeper relationship with you and would translate, Lord, to them being evangelists for Christ, Lord, that their lives would be a testimony and that their words would be honoring to you as they share with the many lost and dying souls in the Philippines. God, we pray that you continue to strengthen Alan and Sandy to fulfill the ministry needs that you have placed before them. We thank you for the Bible studies and the growth of the church, and we ask that you would continue to make the church strong, Lord. We pray for Pastor Irwin, even now, Lord, as he has recently taken the head pastorate at their church, Father. We do pray that you would continue to use him mightily, Lord, and that he would be faithful in his teaching, that you would make him a man who is loving his God above all else, and that he would serve and love his family and his church body as well, Lord. And we pray for their own family. We pray for the boys, that you would cause them to love you with all their heart, soul, and mind. We pray for Alan and Sandy as they transition to looking for a new home when they return, looking to make wise decisions for their kids, both in schooling and in a place to live. Father, we know that you have those things all worked out. And so we ask that you would give them grace as they trust in you for the provision and the details of those things as well. Father, we pray that you would bless the rest of their time here on furlough, and may we be a blessing to them while they're here. In your son's name, amen.